Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. So we're laying in bed and Peyton says, oh my gosh, these leggings are so cozy. Feel them. And I was like, they are. Where where did you get them? And she was like, I don't know. They're in my laundry basket. And then followed by this, I think they're yours. And I said, let me see the waistband on that. And they are. But I am a good mother. And I am sharing, and I believe that sharing is caring. And you know what I say to that, Peyton? Finders keepers and just readers. I found in my... No, not finders keepers. You can't play finders keepers with your mother. What I was going to say that's less mean is this. I am happy for you to have them because I love you, and I want you to be comfortable. Oh, these are so long to be. Finders keepers and keepers. I found it in my laundry basket. Now I get to keep them. Well, that is just darling. All right. Well, now that... Custody. We have we're, we have shared custody of a pair of pants, <laughs> and for the record, they are pretty big on her. Cause she's a tiny she's a tiny little lady. But I'm I'm very generous of a mother. Sorry. And something that you'll not probably know about Peyton, she is uh she's been water obsessed since she was a tiny little thing. Every time at night, she'd be like, "Can I have some water?" Not like she wasn't ready to go to sleep, but. She, Really? Yes. Since you were little, you always wanted water next to your bed so that you could have it in the middle of the night. Always. Like, as long as when you were old enough to ask for it. Maybe even, like, three. Yep. And guess what she's doing? She's refilling her water bottle. And don't worry, she's not going to wake up in the middle of the night to go pee because this kid's a camel. She is a camel. She'll wake up in the morning and, like, not have to go potty for, like, an hour. And I'm like, go go pee oh my god and she's like i don't have to go i'm like please try and then she has like, like oh, yeah she's like oh i did have to go <laughs> okay all right enough of peyton's um camel your urine capabilities of holding okay, she's great on a road trip though i have to go pee more often than she does but i also drink more coffee than you do yep okay a series yeah, I can't, because i don't wear i don't drink coffee yeah, I know. That's true. A series of unfortunate events by Lemony Snicket, book the 13th, the end. Also, before we really jump into this, Peyton has picture day on Friday. She always wears her hair in a scrunchie, like in a low pony. And I want to know what you guys think. Do you think that she should wear her hair down for pictures? Or do you think that we should do something special and let me, like, we can blow dry it and, like, do, like, curls? Not, like, crazy curls. But just like. keep my hair keep it like how I always wear it uh-huh. then because like that's what I'm known for I know but usually you're supposed to do something like a little bit like not so I'm supposed to dress up like someone I don't even know exactly no you're supposed to put like a little bit of effort into it instead you're supposed to do something a little bit extra yeah no I'm kidding what do you guys think I'm interested this is what I wear normally and this is probably what I'm gonna and I could wear on picture day okay if you say so kiddo it's your pictures. I'm not going to make you feel uncomfortable. I want you to feel comfortable and confident, but I was just giving some 
unsolicited advice, which probably wasn't appreciated. So I am sorry for that. We should do some like eyelash extensions. Okay, that's I can agree with. Oh, she can agree with that. Okay, all right. Chapter six. At this point, you may find yourself recognizing all of the sad hallmarks of the Baudelaire orphan's sad history. The word hallmarks refers to something distinguishing the characteristics, such as the frothy foam. <sighs> foam. Where am I? And loud fizz that are the hallmarks of a root beer float. Or tear stained photographs and the loud fizz that are the hallmarks of a broken heart. I never, ever, ever at birthday parties or anything was ever given a root beer float because I don't like root beer. So anytime, and like root beer floats were really popular when I was a kid. So like when there were like summer parties or pool parties or birthday parties, like mm, half the time they had root beer float. Never got one. I know. Me too. Ugh. Okay. Certainly the Baudelaire's themselves, who as far as I have not read their own wait as far as i know have not read their own sad story but of course it is their primary part it, it's primary but of course are its primary participants had a queasy feeling about in their stomach as the islanders approached them holding various items <clears throat> that they had found while the storm while storm scavenging it appeared that once again, after arriving in a strange new home, Count Olaf would fool everyone with his latest disguise. <sighs> and the Baudelaire's would once again be in grave danger. In fact, Count Olaf's Talaric disguises did not even cover the tattoo on his eye that he wore in his uh, of an eye that he wore on his ankle, as the islanders living so far from the world wouldn't even know what this notorious mark was, and so he could be he could fool and even more easily. But as the colonists drew close to the Cuba books where Kit Snicket lie un unconsciously, suddenly the Baudelaire's history went contrary to expectations. A phrase here which means the young girl had, had first met on a coastal shelf recognizing Count Olaf immediately. That's Olaf, Friday cried, pointing an accusatory finger at the villain. Why is he dressed as a pregnant woman? I'm dressed as a pregnant woman because I am a pregnant woman, Count Olaf replied in his high-pitched, disguised voice. My name is Kit Snicket, and I've been looking everywhere for these children. You're not Kit Snicket, Miss Caliban cried. That's okay. Kit Snicket is up on that pile of books, Violet said indignantly, helping Sunny down from the top of the cube. She's a friend of ours, and she may be hurt or ill, but this is Count Olaf, who is not a friend of ours. He's no friend of ours either, Friday said, as there was a murmur of agreement from the islanders. Just because you put some something inside your dress to make you look pregnant and thrown on a clump of seaweed on your hair to make it look like a wig doesn't mean you won't be recognized. She, she turned her face to the three children, who noticed for the first time that the islander had suspicious bump under her robe, as if she too had hidden something under her clothing. I hope... I hope he hasn't been bothering you. I told him specifically to go away. Count Olaf glared at Friday and tried his treachery on the other islanders. You primitive people won't even let a pregnant woman don't won't tell a pregnant woman to go away, will you? He asked. I'm a very I'm in a very delicate condition. You're not in a very delicate condition, the Larson family said. The, the, said Larson firmly, you're in a very transparent disguise. If Friday says that you're this Olaf person, then I'm sure you are and you are not welcome here due to your unkindness. I've never been unkind in my life, Olaf said, running a bony hand through his seaweed 
Nothing, I'm nothing but fairly innocent maiden with a belly full of a baby, and this Baudelaire who has been, this Baudelaire that has been unkind, oh, it is the Baudelaire that's been unkind, along with their imposter sleeping on the top of this damp library. Library, Fletcher said with a gasp. We've never had a library on the island. Ishmael said that the libraries were bound to lead to trouble, said Brewster, so we're lucky that a book has never ended up on our shores. You see, Olaf said in his orange and yellow dress, <gasps> rustling in the morning breeze, that treacherous woman up there dragged these books under your colony just to be unkind and poor to you poor primitive people. And the Baudelaire's are friends with her. They're the ones that you should abandon here, and I should be welcome. I should be welcome to Olaf Land and given gifts. Uh, this island is not called Olaf Land, called Friday, and you're not the one that we ab- and you're the one that we abandoned. This is confusing," cried Ameros. "We need a facilitator to sort this out." Ameros is right," called Calypso. "We shouldn't be deciding anything until we've talked to Ishmael. Come, let's take the let's." Take all of this detritus to Ishmael's tent. The colonists nodded, and after a few villagers walked together to the cube of books and began to push along the shelf, it was very difficult to work. And the cube shuddered as it was dragged along the bumpy surface, and the Baudelaire saw that Kit's foot bobbed violently up and down and feared that their friend would fail. Stop, Kit said. It's not safe to move someone who may be seriously injured, particularly if she's pregnant. Klaus is right, said Dr. Kurtz. I remember that day from in veterinary school. If Muhammad will not come out in the morning, come to the mountain, Rabbi Bly said, using an expression of the islanders that stood at once, the mountain will come to Muhammad. But how can Ishmael come here? asked Erwan. He couldn't walk his way with his injured feet. The sheep can drag him here, said Sherman. We can put him up in his chair. We can put his chair up in a sleigh. Friday, you guard Olaf and the Baudelaire's while the rest of us will go fetch our facilitator and some of the more coconut cordial, said Madame Nordif, Nordoff. I'm thirsty and my seashell's almost empty. There was a murmur of agreement from the islanders as they began to make their way back towards the island, still carrying the items that they had found while scavenging in a few, scavenging. In a few minutes, the colonists were nothing more than faint shapes of the misty horizon, and the Baudelaire's were often were alone with Count Olaf and Friday, who took a big sh- a big sip from her seashell and then smiled at the children. Don't worry, Baudelaire's, the girl said, holding one hand out over the bulge of her robe. We'll sort this out. I promise you that this terrible man will be abandoned once and for all. I'm not a man, Olaf insisted in his disguised voice. I'm a lady with a belly inside of her, a baby inside of her. A belly inside of her. Pelsoid theocratic, Sonny said. My sister's right, Violet said. Your disguise isn't working. Oh, I don't think that you'd want to stop pretending, the villain said. Meet, oh, I don't think you'd want me to stop pretending, the villain said. And he was still talking in this ridiculous high-pitched voice, but his eyes shone brightly from behind his seaweed bangs. He reached from behind him and revealed a harpoon gun with its bright red trigger and one last harpoon ready to be fired. If I were to say that I was Count Olaf instead of Kit Snicket, I might be having, ha- I might begin behaving like a villain rather than a noble person. 
You've never behaved like a noble, noble person, Klaus said, no matter what name you're using. And that weapon doesn't scare us. You only have one harpoon, and this island's full of people who know how wicked and unkind you are. Klaus is right, Friday said. You may as well put your weapon down. It's useless in a place like this. Count Olaf looked Friday first at Friday, then at the three Baudelaire's, and he opened his mouth as if to say another treacherous thing in his disguised voice. But then he shut his mouth again and glared down at the puddles of the coastal shelf. I'm tired of wandering around here, he muttered. There's nothing to Oh, maybe he's in his regular voice. I'm tired of wandering around here, he muttered. There's nothing to eat but seaweed and raw fish, and everything valuable has been taken by all those fools in the robes. Well, if you didn't behave so horridly, Friday said, you could live on the island. The Baudelaire's looked at one another nervously. Although it seemed a bit cruel to abandon Olaf on the shelf, they did not like the idea that he might be welcomed into the colony. Friday, of course, did not know the whole story of Count Olaf, and they had only experienced his unkindness once on the day she first encountered him. But the Baudelaire's could tell that Friday could not tell Friday the whole story of Olaf without telling the whole story of themselves, and they did not know what Friday would think of their own kindness and treachery. <sighs> Count Olaf looked over at Friday as if thinking something over. Then, with a suspicious smile, he turned to the Baudelaire's and he held out his harpoon, her, his harpoon gun. I suppose you're right, he said. The harpoon gun is useless in a place like this. He was still talking in his disguised voice. Oh, okay. And his hand caressed his false pregnancy as if there were actually a baby growing inside of him. The Baudelaire's looked at Olaf. And then at the weapon, the last time the children had touched the harpoon gun, the penultimate harpoon had fired an, a noble man by the name of Dewey that had been killed. Violet, Klaus, and Sonny would never forget the sight of Dewey sinking into the waters of the pond as he died, and looking at the villain offering them weapons only reminded them of how dangerous and terrible the weapon was. We don't want that, Violet said. Obviously, this is some kind of trick of yours. It's no trick, Olaf said in a high-pitched voice. I'm giving up my villainous ways, and I want to live with you on the island, and so I'm sorry to hear that you don't believe me. His face was very serious, as if he were sorry to hear that, but his eyes were shiny and bright, the way they are when someone is telling a joke. Fibber, Sunny said. You insult me, madam, Olaf said, as if I'm as, uh, I'm as honest as the day is long. The villain was using an expression that is used by many people, despite the fact that it scarcely means anything at all. Some days are long, such as the, the height of the summer when the sun shines for a very long time, or Halloween Day, which is, always seems to last forever until the day finally comes to put one's costume on and demand candy from strangers. And some days are short, particularly during the wintertime, when one is doing some in something enjoyable, such as reading a book or following random people in the street to see where they will go. And so, if someone is as honest as the day is long, they may not be honest at all. The children were relieved to see that Friday was not fooled by Olaf's use of a vague expression, and she frowned at this villain sternly. Baudelaire, the Baudelaire's told me that you are not to be trusted, the young girl said, and I can see that they, that they spoke the truth. You stay right here. Olaf, until the others have arrived, then we'll decide what to do with you. I'm not Count Olaf, Olaf said. Oh my gosh, nobody believes him, my goodness. I'm not Count Olaf, but in the meantime, I could have a sip of this coconut cordial that I heard of. No, Friday said, and turned her back on them 
to the villain to gaze wistfully at the Cuba books. I have never seen a book before, she confessed to the Baudelaire's. I hope Ishmael thinks it's okay to keep them here. You've never seen a book, Violet said in amazement. Do you know how to read? Friday took a quick look around the coastal shelf and then nodded quickly. Yes, she said. Ishmael doesn't think it was a good idea to teach us, but Professor Fletcher disagreed and he held secret classes on the coastal shelf for those of us who were born on the island. From time to time, I keep in practice by sketching the alphabet in the sand with a stick, but without the library, there's not much I can do. I hope Ishmael won't suggest that we let them the sheep drag all these books to the arboretum. If he does, you won't have to throw them away, Klaus reminded her. He won't force you. I know, Friday said with a sigh, but when Ishmael suggests something, everybody agrees, and it's hard not to succumb to that kind of peer pressure. Whisk, Sunny reminded her, and took out the kitchen implement out of her pocket. Friday smiled at the youngest Baudelaire, but quickly put the item back in Sunny's pocket. I gave you that whisk because you said you were interested in cooking, she said. It seemed a shame to deny your interest in such a thing because Ishmael might not think a kitchen implement was appropriate. You'll keep it a secret, won't you? Of course, Violet said, but it's also a shame to deny your interest in reading. Maybe Ishmael won't object, Friday said. Maybe, Klaus said, or maybe we could try a little peer pressure of our way, of our own. I don't want to rock the boat, Friday said with a frown. Ever since my father's death, my mother wants us to be safe, which is why we left the world far behind and decided to stay here on the island. But the older I get, the seem more... the. The older I get, it seems the more secrets that I have. Professor Fletcher, okay, Professor Fletcher thought he taught me secretly how to read. Um, Amaris taught me secretly how to skip rocks, even though Ishmael said it's dangerous. I secretly gave Sunny a whisk. She reached into her robe and smiled, and now I have another secret just for me. Look what I found curled up in a broken wooden crate. Olaf. Count Olaf had begun glaring in silent, silently at the children, but as if Friday revealed her secret, he let out a shriek even more high-pitched than his fake voice. But the Baudelaire orphans did not shriek, even though Friday was holding a frighteningly-looking thing as dark as a coal mine and as thick as a sewer pipe that uncurled itself quickly and darted towards the three children. Even as if the creature opened its mouth, the morning sun glinted at its sharp teeth, and the Baudelaire did not shriek, but marveled at it once again. Their history was contrary to expectations. Incredible, Sunny said, and it was true, for the enormous snake was wrapping itself around the Baudelaire was incredibly a creature that they had not seen in quite some time, even though they never thought that they would see it again in their lives. It's the incredibly deadly viper! Klaus said with amazement, how in the world did he end up here? Ishmael said that everything eventually washes up on the shores of the island, Violet said, but I never thought that I'd see this reptile again. Deadly, Friday asked nervously, is it poisonous? It seems so friendly. It is friendly, Klaus reassured her. It's one of the least deadly and the most friendly creatures in the animal kingdom. His name, his name is uh, Misnomer. How can you be sure, Friday asked. We knew the man that discovers it, but discovered it, Violet said. His name was Dr. Montgomery, and he was a brilliant herpetologist. He's a wonderful man, Klaus said. We miss him very much. The Baudelaire's hugged the snake, particularly Sunny, who had a special attachment to that playful reptile, and thought for a moment of kind Uncle Monty and the days that the children had spent with him. Then, slowly, they remembered those day- how those days had ended, and they turned to Count Olaf, who had been who had slaughtered Monty as a part of its treacherous plot. Count Olaf frowned and looked back at them. It was strange to see the villain sitting there just shuddering at a snake after his murderous scheme to get the orphans in his clutches. Now so far from the world, it was Olaf that no longer had 
clutches and his murderous schemes were as useless as the harpoon gun that lie in his hands. I've always wanted to meet a herpetologist, said Friday, who of course did not really know the whole story of Monty and his murder. The island doesn't have experts on snakes. There's so much of the world that I'm missing by living here. The world's a wicked place, Count Olaf said quietly, and now it was the Baudelaire's who shuddered, even with the hot sun beating down on them, the weight of the incredibly deadly viper in their laps. The children felt a chill at the villain's words, and everyone was silent, watching the islanders approach with with the sheep who had Ishmael in tow, and a phrase here which means dragged along and the sleigh behind them, sitting on the white chair as if he were a king with his feet still covered in hunks of clay and his woolly beard billowing in the wind. As the colonists and sheep walked closer and closer, the children could see that the sheep had something else to tow too, which sat on the sleigh behind the facilitator's chair. It was a large or ornate birdcage that had been found after the previous storm shining in the sunlight like a small fire count olaf ishmael said booming in a booming voice as soon as the chair arrived he stared down at the villain he stared down at the villain scornfully but also carefully as if memorizing his face ishmael count olaf said in his disguised voice call me ish ishmael said call me kid snicket olaf said i'm not going to call you anything olaf ishmael growled your re your reign of treachery is over olaf in one swift motion the facilitator leaned down and snatched the seaweed wig off of the olaf's head i've been told that your schemes and disguises about your schemes and disguises and we won't stand for it you'll be locked up immediately jonah and sadie lifted the birdcage from the sleigh and set it on the ground and pushed it open pushed open its door glaring meaningfully at count olaf with a nod from ishmael Waden and Miss Marlowe, as they stepped towards the villain, wrestled the harpoon gun from his hands, and dragged him towards the birdcage, as the Baudelaire orphans looked at one another, unsure exactly how they felt. On one hand, it seemed as if the children had been waiting their entire lives for someone to utter precisely the words that Ishmael had uttered, and they were eager for Olaf to finally be punished for his dreadful acts, from his recent kidnapping of Justice Strauss to the time long, long ago when they had thrown Sunny into a birdcage and dangled her from the tower window. But they weren't convinced that Olaf should be locked in a cage himself. Even a cage as large as this one had had washed ashore. Oh, uh, even a cage as large as the one that had been washed ashore. It wasn't clear to the children if, if what was happening now on the coastal shelf was the arrival of justice at last, or if it was another unfortunate event. Throughout their history, the Baudelaire's had always hoped that Count Olaf would end up in the hands of the authorities and would be punished by the High Court of Trial, but the members of the High, high Court had turned out to be as corrupt and as sinister as Olaf himself. Um, Olaf himself, and the authorities were far, far away from the island and looking for the Baudelaire's in order to charge them with arson or murder. It was difficult to say so far from the world how the three children felt about Count Olaf being dragged into the birdcage, but it was so often in case, so often the case that it didn't matter how the three children felt about it because it happened anyways. Waden and Miss Marlowe dragged the struggling villain to the door of the birdcage and forced him to duck inside. He snarled and wrapped his arm around his false pregnancy and rested his head against his knees and hun and hunched his back as the Bellamy siblings shut the door of the cage and latched it securely. The villain fit into the cage, but just barely, and you had to look closely to see that the mess of limbs or hair or orange and yellow clothing was a person at all.
This isn't fair, Olaf said, his voice muffled from the inside of the cage, although the children noticed that he was still using his high-pitched tone as if he couldn't help pretending to still be Kit Snicket. I am an innocent pregnant woman, and these children are the real villains. You haven't hold the whole, heard the whole story. It depends on how you look at it, Ishmael said firmly. Friday told me that you were unkind, and that's all we need to hear, and this seaweed wig is all we need to see. Ishmael's right, said Miss Caliban firmly. You've been nothing but treacherous, Olaf, and the Baudelaire's have been nothing but good. Nothing but good, Olaf repeated. Ha! Why don't you look at that baby's pocket to see if she's so good? She's hiding a kitchen implement that one of your precious islanders gave her. Ishmael peered down at the youngest Baudelaire from his vantage point, a phrase here which means chair perched on a sleigh dragged by a sheep. Is that true, Sonny? he asked. Are you keeping a secret from us? Sonny looked up at the facilitator and at the birdcage, remembering how uncomfortable it was to be locked up. Yes, she admitted, and she took out the whisk out of her pocket. Who gave this to you? Ishmael demanded. Nobody gave it to her, Klaus said quickly, not daring to look at Friday. It's just something that survived the storm along with us. He reached into his pocket and brought his commonplace book. Each of us have something, Ishmael. I have this notebook, and my sister has a ribbon that she likes to tie up her hair with. There was another gasp from the assembled colonist, and Violet took the ribbon out of her pocket. We didn't mean any harm, she said. You were told of the island's customs, said the facilitator sternly, and you chose to ignore them. We were very kind to you by giving you food and clothing and shelter, and even even letting you keep your glasses. In turn, you were unkind to us. They made a mistake, Friday said swiftly, gathering the forbidden items from the Baudelaire's and giving Sunny a brief grateful look. We'll let them... We'll let the sheep take these things away and forget about it. That seems fair, added Sherman. I agree, the Professor Fletcher said. Me too, Omaro said, and picked up the harpoon gun. Ishmael frowned, but as more and more islanders expressed their agreement, he succumbed to the peer pressure and gave the orphans a small smile. I suppose they can stay, he said, if they don't rock the boat any further. He sighed and then suddenly frowned down to the puddle. During their conversation of the the incredibly deadly viper had decided to take a brief swim and was now staring up at the facilitator from the pool of seawater. What is that? Mr. Pitticarn asked with a frightened gasp. It's a friendly sink that we found, Friday said. Who told you it was friendly? demanded Ferdinand. Friday shared a quick dismayed look with the Baudelaire's. After all that had happened, they knew that there was no hope of convincing Ishmael to keep the snake was a good idea. Nobody told me, Friday said. It was just friendly. It looks incredibly deadly, Orwan said with a frown. I say we dump it in the arboretum. Uh, We don't want a snake slithering around in the arboretum, Ishmael said, stroking his beard. It might hurt the sheep, and I I won't force you, but I think it's time that we should abandon it here with Count Olaf. Come along now, it's almost lunchtime. The Baudelaire's please, Baudelaire's please push that cube of books down to the arboretum, and our friends shouldn't be moved. Violet interrupted with a gesture to Kit's consciousness, conscious, unconscious figure. We need to help her. I didn't even realize that there was a castaway up there, Miss Pitcairn said, peering at the beer, bare foot that hid, that was hanging over the side of the cube. Look, she has the same tattoo as the villain. She's my girlfriend, Olaf said from the birdcage. You should either punish us both or set us both free. She's not your girlfriend, Klaus cried. She's our friend and she's in trouble. It seems from the moment that you join the island, this, th- this, the island is threatened with the secretary of treachery, Ishmael said with a weary sigh. We've never had to punish anyone before you arrived, and now there's a suspicious person lurking around the island. 
Dreyfus, and he said, which meant, what precisely are you accusing us of? But the facilitator kept talking as if she had said nothing at all. I won't force you, Ishmael said, but if you want to be a part of this safe place we've we've constructed, I think that you should abandon this Kit Snicket person too, even though I've never heard of her. We won't abandon her, Violet said. She needs our help. As I said, I won't force you, Ishmael said with one last tug of his beard. Goodbye, Baudelaire. You can stay here on the coastal shelf with your friends and your books if these things are so important to you. But what will happen to them? asked Willa. Decision day is approaching and the coastal shelf will flood with water. What's their, that's their problem, Ishmael said, and gave the islanders an imperious, the word here imperious, as you probably know, means mighty and a bit snobbish, shrug. As his shoulders raised, a small object rolled out of his sleeve of his robe and landed with a small plop in a puddle, narrowly missing the birdcage where Olaf was prisoner. The Baudelaire's could not identify what the object was, but whatever it was was enough to make Ishmael hurry, hurriedly clap his hands to distract anyone who might be wondering about it. Let's go, he cried, and the sheep began to drag him towards his tent. A few of the islanders gave the Baudelaire's an apologetic look, as if they disagreed with Ishmael's suggestions but did not dare to resist the peer pressure of their fellow colonists. Professor Fletcher and Ameros, who had secrets of their own, looked particularly regretful, and Friday looked as if she might cry. Even She even started to say something to the Baudelaire's, but Miss Caliban stepped forward and put her arm firmly, firmly on the girl's shoulders, and she merely gave the siblings a sad wave and walked with her away with her mother. The Baudelaire's were too stunned for a moment to say anything. Contrary to the expectations, Count Olaf had not fooled the, inhibish, the inhabitants of this place, so far from the world that he had instead been captured and punished. But still, the Baudelaire's were not safe, and certainly not happy to find themselves abandoned on the coastal shelf like so much detritus. This isn't fair, Klaus said finally, but he said so quietly depending, departing that the departing islanders would probably not hear. Only his sisters heard him, and the snake and the, and the, snake the Baudelaire's thought they would never see again. Of course, Count Olaf, who was huddled in the large ordinate birdcage like an imprisoned beast who was the only person to answer him. Life isn't fair, he said, and in his disguised voice, in his, and he said in his undisguised voice, and for once the Baudelaire orphans agreed with every word that man said. True, huh, Peyton? Nope, she's asleep. All right, goodbye.